1: Welcome
2: to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And
3: we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman will join us in the second half. Of the show, or he will join me in the second half of the show. But I have Simon here. And of course, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN, get 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. And of course, price picks. Use promo code 5 FIVE F I V E. You deposit $100, they give you $100, and it's a one time rollover, which means you bet it through once, they give it to you. So it's a free $100. Take it. And of course, Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com slash the number five reasons and you get a $25 sign up bonus. All right, Simon, Uh, we're going to start in a negative spot here. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you to make an an evaluation with what you've seen of a certain player. And then we're going to go on to other certain players right after that. But the Dolphins take a 30 to nothing lead. First of all, do you think it was premature to start benching your quarterback two series in? to the third quarter and that they determined it at halftime.
1: Um oh it's such an interesting question because you know with the with the benefit of hindsight you just said yeah absolutely because you saw him get sacked and you saw him get hit and you saw the hit to the head and all of those sorts of things but you're up 30 to nothing they've what, got one first down we've two first downs. Um I was semi surprised that at 30 to 15 with about 12 minutes left they didn't bring him back out. Um, I don't think that was Mike McDaniel's best moment. That game, I thought it was a really weird game plan. I thought just having the quarterback mm-hmm. drop back all the time and throw seemed really weird. I know that Raheem Moster wasn't playing. Um, I love Mike McDaniel. Absolutely love Mike McDaniel. I just don't think that was his best day. Um, I think he just got so caught up. I don't think we were in rhythm, particularly offensively. I don't think Tua was amazing. You know, he had some drops, he had some misses. Uh, but when Toronto Armstead goes out the game and you're up against Jerry Hughes and... You know, your quarterback's getting hit, he's getting flipped over backwards, he's getting bent upside down, he's getting shots to the head. You know, this team wasn't going to win. I just, uh, I sort of found it a little bit odd that he was, that he stayed in the game, that, you know, that he didn't come back into the game then at that point. I don't have an issue up 30 to nothing that Skylar Thompson comes in. My issue was that then they took their foot off the pedal massively. um, And I think that was a bit of an issue. Um, because all of a sudden you're letting a you know a, a team that could clearly move the ball and they were using the tight end really well. Um, so in a long winded way, I just overall thought it was a really weird game plan from Mike McDaniel. And you know, if if at that point when Skyler went deep and was incomplete on that drive and we punted to them with like eight and a half minutes left, up by sixteen, you know, if they just scored at that point. Yeah, 200 and sat on the sideline for like an hour and 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden you're bringing him back into the game. I just thought it was just a weird, you know, and just having Skylar just continue just to drop back and, and throw the ball felt really weird as well. Um, yeah, I just... I, yeah. I Look, a win is a win. It's great. We're 8-3. and three. That's amazing. I know people are always like, go, oh, you're so negative. You're so negative. And, you know, I... Look for the bigger picture in terms of you know what the next game is going to bring, what the playoff is going to bring. I I just I didn't think it was a very well managed performance by the head coach. Not to say I don't love the head coach because I do. I just thought that you know that's the sort of thing that could cost us. Just some of those in game decisions that that happen that weren't amazing. I didn't think you know some of the play calls were brilliant. I just didn't think it was his best day.
3: Yeah, and 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 I'll go further. Uh, I didn't like. I don't like that uh, that you're talking at halftime. I understand it's 30 to nothing. It's not 80 to nothing, okay? It's 30 yeah. to nothing. And I don't like that the head coach and the quarterback coach and the quarterback are already laying out at halftime when the quarterback is coming out of the game. The rest of the team sees that, feels that, hears that, and it's, yeah. it's just human nature to let down. That's it's borderline, disres- in my opinion, it's borderline disrespectful, okay? Um, and all you did was hurt yourself. You hurt your team, and you're hurting your defense. You're putting your defense out there over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, I I, I just don't like that. Um, you know, keep it on the download. Maybe you, you hint at, at Tua, hey, you know, if this goes our way to start the second half, you're playing two series, buddy, and that's it, and you're out. But don't start, you know – essentially turn your entire halftime period into okay when are we basically going to take the their foot off the pedal you know
1: that that didn't feel like a a game yesterday in which we needed to drop back and throw 41 times do you know what I mean that just you know that, that wasn't a 41 time throw the ball down the field sort of game that that was the weird thing for me I think
3: yeah, and now let's get into the, the evaluation. It begs to it begs to reason, okay, that if you're benching your starting quarterback up 30 to nothing and playing another guy, and he's going to have to throw it maybe six or seven or eight or maybe even possibly ten times to win the game because you do got to salt that game away. Uh, you can't just be going three and out and punting all game. It stands to reason that they probably needed Teddy Bridgewater, but they didn't have Teddy Bridgewater because he has an injury. But we've now seen Skylar Thompson three times. You gotta toss that jet game. I'm sorry, the guy had nothing. There, uh, I was told they even used like 12 plays in that game. Uh, you know, he was just thrust into action, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, hey, buddy, go, go win us a game here against the Jets. You know, toss that one up. But we saw him play very well against the Vikings. Then he got injured, which is something that's happened with him, by the way, before in in college. But we saw him today. We saw him on Sunday against the Texans. That was uninspiring. Um, is it possible they made a mistake here in in their evaluation, or because he just missed wide open throws? Uh, they, they drew up some simple stuff for him to keep those chains moving in the fourth quarter, and he just couldn't execute. What, what were your thoughts on on Skylar Thompson?
1: Look, does, saying... Is that is that
3: uh, does does it concern you going forward? with their, no, their strategy yeah. of having a cheap, quote-unquote cheap, backup quarterback for next season?
1: Look, I don't think it's going to be an issue because he's going to have a, an extra year of development. He wasn't helped by a couple of drops. Uh, you know, I don't think he played amazingly. But, look, I don't think the, he was running for his life a couple of times, which doesn't help. Um, you know, Armstrongs out of the game we really weren't trying to establish the running game at all and hadn't made any sort of commitment to the running game. So, I mean, that doesn't really bother me to be honest, South, This is like, we're looking, you know, what, 10 months away. I don't really have an issue with that. Um, I don't think anybody's decided yet whether or not Teddy will be on the roster or not, whether Skyler is the backup moving forwards. I, I, I like what he does. I like how he sets up. I like his throwing motion. I think he can be accurate. I think he throws with, you know, he's got a significant arm strength, um, you know, so I don't really have a massive issue with, with with what happened. I I I'm not looking ahead to, you know, next September and wondering whether or not you know Skylar has to come into the game. He's able to carry us. Look, when the when the rubber met the road, he was we were a Jason Sanders field goal away from taking a 20 to 19 lead on the road in his very first you know start. Apart from one snap when Teddy had to go out the game, I know we ended up losing that game, but at 20 to 19 lead, nine minutes left on the road. Uh, that game isn't ending up 40 to 20 as it, uh, you know, as it did. I think if he stays in the game against the Vikings, we beat the Vikings. I think it's as simple as that. I mm-hmm. I, I thought he started really well. So I don't really have any concerns moving forwards about Skylar. I think he's shown more than enough already to, to know that you feel confident in him if he has to come into the game. Very difficult to be placed into a situation where you're leading 30 to nothing. There's no atmosphere in the stadium. You know, the players have checked out a little bit, both mentally and physically, I think a little bit. Um. So no, I don't really have a, I don't really have an issue with that and like how can you blame players for checking out a 30 to nothing in a game where you could get hurt seriously on any given snap so I you know I I think the scenario is very different
3: yeah uh, I, can, I I I I I tend to agree um now this issue I think is is more pressing they esca- they got good news on Toron Armstead okay they escaped the worst okay you're looking at something that might keep them out two weeks maybe one but it's minor. It's a strain. It's not what was mo- what was feared. Because if if you think about it, if he just has a low grade tear, it's four to six weeks. If it's a high grade tear, he's out six months. Okay, so it's it, it, you know they they got lucky on that one. But Austin Jackson, I don't think was very good in this game. And then they decide, okay, Teron Armstead is out. We're putting Brandon Shell in at left tackle. He looked worse. And it got so bad that toward the end of the game, when Austin Jackson got kicked in the ankle, they move Brandon Shell back to right tackle. And now Greg Little's playing left tackle. What do they do? Obviously, Toron Armstead, I don't think, is playing on Sunday. What do they do there? Because none of the options that they had out there this Sunday looked any good.
1: I don't think it was Greg Little, was it? I thought it was Lionel Coleman that they brought in. <clears throat> at the end no no it was
3: Greg Little Greg, Greg Little came L- in L- at the L- L- end L- L- of the L- L- game yeah
1: um look I think there are four unicorns on the on the roster that you absolutely can't afford to lose in terms of whether or not you feel like this is a Super Bowl team number one is Tua number two is Toronto said number three is Xavier Howard number four is Tyreek Hill and I think you swapped three and four actually but nevertheless um the news yesterday that I, I certainly heard that and I know Chris did as well that we were both told by separate people that they felt like it was much more significant than it turned out to be. My issue is that, you know, and you can't do anything about it. My issue is that you are now facing Joey, uh, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Um, and then, you know, potentially Von Miller, but that excellent pass rush from all directions that, you know, whether that's Boogie Basham or Greg Rousseau or Matt Milano lining up on the edge or the blitz packages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You are just losing a a top five left tackle in the league. You are losing somebody who understands, organizes. Before the snap, you are you are losing a guy that's playing next to Robert Jones and is helping him where he's not become an issue and a clusterfuck week in, week out, which he hasn't been to his eternal credit. Um, but the bigger issue for me is what the the knock on effect that it has on the offense. You know, you are, you know, I watched the end of that 49ers game yesterday and Nick Bosa wins the game for the 49ers at the end, where he comes off the edge and, and sacks Andy Dalton on fourth down. You know, that's not happening against Toronto did, OK, it's it's not. Um, But it is happening against Austin Jackson or Brandon Shell or Greg Little. And what it means is that you either have to keep a back in or that's Jeff Wilson or you have to keep a tight end in. And what the Dolphins love to do is go five man protection and then five people out on routes because what it does, it opens up the center of the field and they use a tight end to open up the center of the field. Or they use the back in motion and out and down the sideline, which then creates confusion whether you're in zone or in man, but especially in zone because it just freezes the safety for a second, which leaves the middle of the field open. You can't do that nearly as easily in you know, when you're running four-man routes as you could with five-man routes. Yes, you can do it three-man routes. Yes, you can do it two-man routes. But it's easier and the Dolphins, sign- and I'll have to look at the numbers, but on five-man routes, the Dolphins, I would imagine, pick up significant chunks of yardage being able to do that, whether that's Kasiki going deep and then allowing... The yeah, owners.
3: their best their best personnel group is easily 11 personnel. Like, yeah, that's a absolutely.
1: fact. Yeah, absolutely. So, the knock-on effect of Armstead not playing is huge. Now, you know, you talk about tackles around the league, and we've discussed it ad infinitum on this podcast in terms of, look, you know, the league, there is a dearth of talent to play tackle. There's a dearth of talent at the college level to play tackle. And, you know, you're coming from, often in college, you're coming from wide-open splits, four five receivers on every down. Um, but fundamentals are not there. That's why, you know, if your number one guy goes down, it, it can become a, a clusterfuck. And very few teams, you know, I look at the Chargers who've done an amazing job because Rashawn is an all-pro left tackle. He went out, Jamari Salia, who they took in the draft, who was a, a guard who kicked out to left tackle as a senior at Georgia, had an absolutely unbelievable season at left tackle replacing Rashawn Slater. I don't think he's given up a sack. He's been absolutely fundamentally sound as anything. You look at the Green Bay Packers last year. We talked about it. Bakhtiari went down. Elton Jenkins kicked out to left tackle. He tore his Achilles. Josh Nyman came in and played left tackle. They didn't really miss a beat. I mean, you know, it's, they did a little bit, but um, but very few teams are able to do that. The Dolphins aren't able to do that. You know, so to me, it's a massive concern when you're facing three huge road games. You know, when you're second seed in the AFC at the moment, but you face a really difficult game against the 49ers anyway, which is going to be difficult quite apart from the fact they're a really good team. I don't think they've conceded a point in this. Is that right? They haven't conceded a point in the second half in the last? Since week eight. Since week eight. Right. Okay. So the last five weeks, they haven't conceded a second half point at all. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) all three levels, you know, whether that's pass rush, whether that's internally with Eric Armstead, the linebacker is the best linebacking core in the NFL. Unquestionably the best linebacking core in the NFL. When you look at the guys, they're led. Um, led by Fred Warner. And then I, I don't love the secondary, and I think you can attack the secondary, but with talano Hufanga, who's just such a playmaker, Jimmy Ward, who's one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Um, I, I think, you know, that's significant. That those are significant issues because it allows the 49ers. It, it, it takes away one of the things that the Dolphins do really well, and it sort of pluses the 49ers' defense, who already doesn't need any extra pluses because they're really, really good. with Dre Greenlaw and, you know, those guys. It's... um. Yeah, I mean, it's just a concern when you're facing three big road trips, you know, against three good teams, where you could go, you know, potentially eleven and three, or at worst, you know, ten and uh, eleven and three, or at worst ten and four. But you think actually, you know, if our one of our unicorns is down, and it's going to have a knock-on effect to the point that I've just described to the offense, you don't want to come back home being eight and five and suddenly scrapping for your lives because yesterday, by the way. You know the Bengals won a game that you know keeps them thoroughly in the wild card mix. Oh, and they hold a you know, they hold the Trump over us because they beat us, you know, that mm. the you know there are all the apart from the Ravens, all the results that we wanted to go against for us yesterday went against us in in many ways. Um and it was actually pretty thankful that the that the Vikings managed to hold on against the Patriots on Thursday night because you know the Patriots winning as well would have been an absolute nightmare. But you know, you just, you do you do have a concern about how long Armstead will be out and just given the, you know, the pass rush that is coming towards him. And then, oh, boom, it's Christmas Day and you've got Preston Smith coming at you. And, you know, oh, and then, yeah, the penultimate week of the season, you've got probably the defensive player of the year in Matthew Judon coming at you. Oh, and then, you know, you've got the Jets and they're pretty strong up front with Carl Lawson and, you know, when they rotate Quinn and Williams outside and all those sorts of things. So it's just a massive stretch run for the guy. And you just hope that, you know, you hope that somehow it's just, you know, he's able to get the medical attention that he needs this week and somehow he can play and he can play through it and it's okay. And he maybe plays with a brace or whatever, but you're missing. If you miss significant time, you're just putting so much extra pressure on that offense.
3: Yeah. uh, The good news is that, you know, everything that they've said so far since the injury has been pretty positive and is leaning toward probably out this week and trying to make that game against the Chargers, And that's the goal. The goal you know, I don't think this team is about, you know, hey, let's go let's go squeak one out in California. This team is capable of winning both, and I think that should be the goal is to go win both. And I think uh, this first game, we're going to talk about that game on Thursday, but it's obvious they're going to have to go to more 21 personnel in the absence of Teron Armstead because they're going to have to use goal They're going to have to use their tight ends to try to help uh, Tua with, with protection. Now, on... The good part, because we're going to talk, we're going to talk some some good, especially when you're up thirty to nothing, okay, and and the game is essentially over, at halftime, and and hearing some of those players talk, especially Brandon Cooks, when he says when they asked him when did you think it was going south, and he says when we walked onto the field, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, um, hey, this defense as designed, I understand it's the Texans, okay, but this is the same Texan team that was that was that that scared the Eagles for three quarters, okay, and then made a run at them in the fourth. Okay, so they're capable of doing some stuff. Okay, let's just say that they you know they're not completely hopeless. Damian Pierce is a really nice player. Uh, Brandon Cooks, we already talked about, is a great player. Nico Collins is a really nice player. They have a, a few pieces. They're not completely incompetent. Okay, uh,
1: Damian Pierce is really nice. The tight end kept killing us yesterday. You know, and you think, God, you got George Kittle coming to town, and you know that's a, you know, we got killed with the um. With a tight end running free yesterday, so a lot to there's a lot to kind of look at and think, you know. I mean, it's great. Look, again, we're not trying to. This is a serious Super Bowl contender, but we're also not going to sit here on our hands and go, "Yeah, everything's amazing." It's, we know <laughs> things are pretty fucking good at the moment, and it's, so we're just trying to, yeah, you know, we're just trying to, as fans and as you know, what whatever we are, we're just trying to kind of look at pathways where shit, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z to. We've done an amazing yeah. job a brilliant season, everything's going well. But, you know, when Jordan Aikens is running wild on you, you think, OK, we might face a Travis Kelsey in the first round of the playoffs, second round of the playoffs. We might face, we've got George Kittle next week. We've got, do you know what I mean? Those are the things that you're just thinking, right. And, and, and I think what we try and do on this podcast and what we try and do on... Um, on our Discord channel on OnlyFins, it is essentially trying to look at it from a coaching perspective. How are the dolphin coaches trying to assess what is happening? How are the opposition coaches trying to assess what is happening? So when we look at things and people might think, oh, you're being so negative. We've won, we're not, we're eight three. That's <laughs> yeah. it's not really the case. All we're trying to do is say, you know, in those meeting rooms today, the Dolphins coaches will be saying Jordan Aikens should not have been doing what he did to us. You know, in yes. the Dolphin coaching meetings today, they'll be saying, okay, Toron's going to be out. How are we going to how are we going to do this? How are we going to change our formations to you know, what are we going to be able to do with the receivers that you know we could do with five man formations that we you know, five man routes we can't do, you know, all of those things. So that's you know, I, I we're not just gonna sit here as fans and go, yeah, it's amazing, it's brilliant. Because <laughs> you know, I'm sure you can get that anywhere else. What we're trying to do is just give a sort of a slightly divergent, you know, analysis from how coaching staffs, both home and away as it were, will be looking at, you know, each week as how this, this Dolphins team is playing.
3: Yeah. And 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 again on the on the defensive side of the ball. Like this is going to be a test. This is a really, really talented offense. They took some injuries. It's looking like Elijah Mitchell will not play. Uh, and if he does play, like okay, uh, Elijah, you know you, you're stronger man than than most because you don't get an MCL sprain and then this and then decide you know what I'm going to go run the ball on Sunday. So uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey also left the game, and we're going to talk about this game on Thursday. Plenty. Okay, And well, we'll have a much clearer injury picture. But this defense, it's as designed been,
1: and as the Dolphins.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, and it's a miracle that, that it wasn't flexed to, to Sunday night. And, yeah. and it should have. Because who the hell wants to see the Colts and the Cowboys?
1: Yeah, this is a Super Bowl, potential Super Bowl matchup. And I don't say that lightly, but this is a potential Super Bowl matchup. And that's why it means so much in terms of, you know, because if the Dolphins go and they lose 27-26, it's a great game back and forth. Then you kind of think, okay, road game. We didn't have Tehran. It's a really good defense. We, you know, If we go and we get spanked, that puts a little bit of perspective on exactly where we are. And you look back and you think, well, actually, we've beaten the Lions, the Browns, the Texans, the Steelers. You know, what exactly are we? Do you know what I mean? This is a sort of Mm a... We've had those kind of games early in the season where you know you beat the Patriots. Patriots are a pretty good side. Went on the road and beat the Ravens. Yep, that was a kind of a... Okay, we kind of line in the sand. You know where we are. Then we beat the Bills. Okay, cool. But now, like, have we trained on... Clearly, the offense is trained on... Clearly, the defense is playing much better. But now this is a kind of a... You know, this is a, another line in the sand game in terms of, okay, what's the, where are we as a team? What, you know, because this is a team that we could absolutely play in the Super Bowl if we should we get there. 100% of the 49ers. Just don't, don't look at their record, look at their talent. And they, you know, this is a uber talented team coming in that we're coming into play.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that, that I saw from this game against the Texans and it's been going on for for 3 weeks now ever since Bradley Chubb uh, arrived uh they were reworking this defense and so far so good i understand that the competition yeah, hasn't been that great but they did go up against Larry Mitunso and they had Larry Mietunsel, uh, you know he was spinning uh, he was dancing out there he was having a hard time with those guys Melvin Ingram Jalen Phillips Bradley Chubb like this thing as designed is working and uh, Simon, you can. You, I, I understand that they want him back for next season, and his agent is like, slow, slow down. You know, we'll talk money at the end of the season, but they got to bring back Melvin Ingram. That guy has. He he's back. He's he's the same guy that he was four years ago. Like he can't be blocked.
1: Yeah, he's a really good player. Look, and and the Bradley Chubb trade has already paid off massively. The Dolphins are getting home consistently, or causing consistent pocket um, collapse with four and that's you know that's huge that's how you win in january and you know february in the nfl you know you you can't it's not sustainable the cover zero blitzes the whole time because as was proven earlier in the season by the ravens who completely outfoxed the dolphins when they brought late motion with the tight end which just confused everybody and they were able to get the ball uh they were able to get the ball down the field and they were able to to, to max protect and get the ball out we we weren't able to handle that change So, just to be able to get home with four, which we're consistently doing, whether that's gink, we brought a couple of great blitzes. I thought Elijah Campbell had a great blitz or a couple, Jerome Baker had a great blitz. Um, Yeah, they lined
3: up, they lined up Baker uh, standing up in Jalen
1: Phillips' role
3: and he got there.
1: They also lined Phillips up, but they also lined Phillips up as a sort of remember the old Tiger formation that that Jason Taylor used to run? They lined Phillips up there once, they lined Ingram up there once, and they lined Chubb up there once, almost like as a middle linebacker just blitzing on third down, which I thought was was very interesting, but they were just able to cause, they were absolute agents of chaos. And that's what you need with four-man rushes to just be. Now, the flip side to that is, you know, you play a Josh Allen, not with Jimmy because Jimmy Garoppolo is different. Herbert a little bit. Allen, you know, you end up playing a Jalen Hurts. You end up playing not with Mac Jones, not really with Aaron Rodgers, a little bit with Jordan Love if we play him on, on Christmas Day, not really Mac Jones, and then not really Mike White in the final game of the season. But obviously in the playoffs, then Pat Mahomes, we know Tannehill can do it. You know, there are quarterbacks that can break, contain, and get out. Lamar, of Lamar, Lamar. Yeah, Lamar, obviously, you have to be disciplined with your pass rush. And it's something that Josh Boyer goes back to his New England days in terms of, your, you know, rush points, in terms of drop points, all of those things, staying lane discipline to make sure that you're not just leaving massive pockets. But the great thing about the cover zero then means is that um, it means that when you rush with four, you know, you're able you're able to drop linebackers back to play specific roles as linebackers. Do you know what I mean? It allows them to do that. They're not rushing and they're not leaving massive swathes of the field open, um, you know, where you can just kill the Dolphins, you know, in the intermediate area.
3: Hmm. Do you want to hear a, a weird stat before I, I ask you about another player?
1: Love, me, love to. Love to watch Tom watch. Brady
3: has made it to the final two minutes of a game in overtime or in regulation with a seven-point lead. He was 218 and oh going into yesterday. Wow. He, he lost. He is now 218 and one. And that one loss is forever a trivia question. The answer to the trivia question is who was the quarterback? Jacoby Brissett.
1: <laughs> That's an amazing stat. I mean, that that just underlines.
3: Just is on. that is that amazing or what? Now, on the way out here, I gotta ask you about a player very under the radar, and, and you know, we pride ourselves on on, you know. Maybe we should have done an emergency podcast about this. But the Dolphins very quietly poached Justin Zimmer off of the Bills practice squad and Mm. then played him 13 snaps out of nowhere nowhere on Sunday. So the guy got here on Friday, and he's in a uniform running around for 13 snaps on Sunday. Uh, What do you make of him? I look at him, and he's like a, I don't know, kind of a one-dimensional zero type, a three-tech type, I guess. I don't know much about him.
1: I thought he was, I thought he was excellent. I actually actually had to look up that I was like, who the, who is that? <laughs> um, but you kind of go back and look at a guy that's been around the league. I think he was it Ferris State. He came out of. Yeah. I think he played for the Falcons and the Browns and the Bills and you know, it, it, I just thought he played. I just thought he was it was all over the shop uh, at times. Like there was a couple of there was a play that was called. It was a play early in the second quarter that there was a penalty on, but he made a huge. He made a huge play um, and I just thought, I just kept looking like, who the hell is, who the hell is this guy? But yeah, I just think just another smart signing replaces the guy that we all like, um, whose name completely escapes me. Um, but just a smart move from Chris Greer, just to bring him in. He seemed you know, slotted in perfectly. It was like he played all his career and, you know, it wasn't like he'd just been signed last week in terms of, you know, his ability and um, he, he was out there making plays Um and what is it? I'm just looking at his size. So yeah, I mean, he's what he's only 292 pounds. Um, so he's not massive. He's not like this massive internal kind of. Um, yeah, he's
3: know, a, he's like a like a college three tech. Like, yeah, there's there's hundreds of of them that you see out there.
1: Not overly athletic, but you know, just a guy who can just he's tough to move. He can move a little bit left and right. He can you know just be an oak in the middle, just soak it up. He's got good hands um And I thought he made a you know a good contribution yesterday. I thought it was you know also I think at first stakes I remember looking at in the draft. He he used to be able to rush outside as well. You know there was you, I I don't think you're going to see him do that. But you know if you're looking at a stout situation, running situation potentially early down running, you could easily move him outside and play three linemen. Do you know what I mean? In terms of mm. uh, if you're going to play a three four. Um, so yeah, I just think he's um I just think he's raw. He was raw coming out, but just as a guy that you can just sit in as a rotation, you know, he's not going to let you down. He can yeah you know, just soak up that interior run game. Um, I think it's a it's a good um I just think it's a good signing by the Dolphins. Another good signing by the Dolphins.
3: Yeah, and 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 to top this off, uh, he has two career sacks. One of them is against Kyler Murray. Which is which is odd watching him run around and actually get Calamari. Murray. And the other one is against Jacoby Brissett and the Miami Dolphins last year. He actually had a sack against the Dolphins in that game. In that game, he actually had three tackles, a tackle for a loss, a quarterback hit on Tua to start the game, actually, and a sack on Jacoby Brissett. So I I guess that's where we we got it from. We had a we had film on his game against us last year, and we said, you know what, let's kick the tires. He looked good against us. You know, maybe he'll look good against somebody else. And he looked all right. Yeah. All right. On the way out, um, I guess we could do our, our three stars of the game. You know, it's it's hard to find a star in a game where, you know, where it was 30 to nothing at halftime. And now they're benching everybody. Or they're benching at least their starting quarterback. So I'll go first. And then I guess you could, you could follow up to close out the first half of the show. I'm going to say, you know, who, who were the the three stars? I think Jalen Waddle shined. Uh, he did have a drop, but he was consistently open. And had he been led a little bit better on, on one of those throws and it happened again, it's it's so difficult to get it over the the linebackers head and in front of the safeties, as you saw last night with Aaron Rodgers. like he actually threw a pick by trying to be too perfect with the ball, with the ball. Yeah. Um, I thought he was fabulous. Um, other than him, you know, Alec Engle is always consistent. And my third guy is, I guess, i am you know, it, it was hard to find another one. But I'm going to give it to Xavier Howard. He is back to being who he was. And if there was ever a play where you saw him and you said, okay, he's back, is when he has that one-handed catch at the back of the end zone. that. Of course, it wasn't going to count because it was out of bounds. And then he catches it one-handed, and then he puts it between his legs and does like a little basketball move. In front of Brandon Cooks, of course, got the touchdown, and he's always Johnny on the spot with those. So those are my three. Your three, Sam. I'm going
1: to go with Bradley Chubb. I thought he was outstanding. Just consistent pressure off the edge, the the sack strip. Um, he's just such an absolute force. Uh, Verone McKinley, I thought was a really good. They 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 lined him out center field quite a lot. He just played you know deep center field and just his ability just to roam across and make that interception. Um, I thought it was what he did. It, You know, he's just a ball magnet. It was a ball magnet at Oregon. He did the same there. And I thought Eric Rowe, I thought Rowe's just a really good, solid, no-nonsense, meat-and-potato player. Um, he's just, every team needs a bit of glue like Eric Rowe. It was a big hit that forced the fumble for, for X to, to return that for a touchdown. And, you know, he was benched a few weeks ago, didn't even suit up, didn't really know why. And he's come back. He's never pissed and moaned. He's never complained. He's a real team first guy. He's a great person, great personality. I know players in the locker room absolutely love him. He's seen as a bit of a leader to that entire unit. Um, so yeah, I think Eric Rowe. And I, I'd also just like to throw in that I thought on special teams, Clayton Fedulam made a load of special teams tackles or he funneled special teams play like return guys back inside. Just his positioning, his tackling on special teams I thought was excellent. So But if if I was going to pick three guys, it would be uh, McKinley, Rowe, and the excellent Bradley Chubb.
3: All right. And that's it. And when we come back from break, we'll have Chris Kaufman. But first, these words. This show is brought to you by Liquid Death. What a great logo, right? Looks like a tall boy beer can. Liquid Death is actually mountain spring water from the Alps, available in still, sparkling, and these flavors. Severed lime, mango chainsaw, and my favorite, Buried Alive. I actually bought another 12 yesterday. Buried Alive is my favorite and my new go-to day drink. It's no longer a secret. This is the most underrated thirst quencher in the market. Buy it today. Liquid Death kills your thirst and the infinitely recyclable cans are environmentally friendly. Liquid Death also donates 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Go get Liquid Death at your local Publix, the Fresh Market, or Whole Foods Market, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash three. That's our dedicated website, by the way. T-H-R-E-E, liquiddeath.com slash three. Follow Liquid Death on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. Use the hashtag, hashtag murderyourthirst, and hashtag death to plastic. Liquid Death.
0: And we're back and as
3: promised chris kaufman hello chris
2: hey yeah
3: now we're going to kick it. off this we're going to kick it. off this you just get a high I, that's all i get is a high yeah that's it yeah but w- wait till i i, I unleash a, ca- a question on you that simon seemed to have a lot on okay you'll never um, guess it if i if, if i told you in, in a million years but we're going to talk about the the same guy in this second half part of the show cuz i'm kind of fascinated by it First of all, let's give a shout out to a member on OnlyFans. He owns BackroomCollection.net. You could go to BackroomCollection.net and they have these beautiful prints, beautiful sports prints. If you use the promo code THREE YPC, you get ten percent off your entire order. Wow! And guess what? We gave, we're giving one away right now on OnlyFans. So you're talking about these are items that are over a hundred dollars. It's $3 a month. And you would think, okay, yeah, but you know, what they do a giveaway every month. No, no, they give a, we do a giveaway after every win. And if uh, you haven't noticed, the Dolphins do a lot of that. So we're talking about a lot of giveaways every single week. Well, now we're giving away things that are worth over $100 a week. Yeah. Become a member of OnlyFans now. Okay. Run. <laughs> All right. Chris, we're gonna start in a weird place. Okay. Because I don't think you're gonna have too much on this. Uh, a weird place. Yeah, we're gonna start in a very
2: weird place. Okay? If this has to do if this has to do with World Cup, man, I'm I, I, I No,
3: it has nothing to do with World Cup. Actually we talked no World Cup whatsoever with with Simon. I know it's a sore spot that his uh you know, his lines, you know, his English three lines, you know, they they you know, they drew with the un the US. I know it's a it's
2: a sore spot with him, but you know. Yeah, I, I did see that much. Okay,
3: uh, I wasn't going to bring that up. You know, why bother you? Why? What's? How does the the term go? Why pluck the legs off a spider? Right?
2: I've never heard that term before.
3: <gasps> I have. I actually have. Or pluck the wings off a fly.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Either one just sounds sadistic. But
3: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, why do that? Like, it's not necessary. But we're going to start in a weird place. I asked Simon about this, and he had he actually had some stuff on this okay which is interesting. Uh, I pride our podcast on being like kind of first on everything not that we're first on news or you know first on on a take or anything like that, but we're kind of first on like uh, an under the radar signing. It's a miracle we didn't have an emergency pro- uh, podcast on this but the dolphins under the radar under our noses without us even even knowing okay Pluck Justin Zimmer. Off of the 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 Lions practice squad? No, the Bills practice squad, and played him thirteen snaps on Sunday. Simon oh, says he him. was really good.
2: Oh, I good saw. Thoughts. I, I I saw I saw him. I mean, I saw him play like during the game, and I was like, wait, is when 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 did that happen? When did Friday? When did we get him? <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Yeah, that's
3: that's what's shocking. Like, like this is supposed to be a pretty tight knit unit, right? We're talking about Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, John Jenkins, Raekwon Davis. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know the ends. Like, this is a tight unit. They went out and then got a guy off of the Bills practice squad, mind you, on Friday, played on thirteen snaps on Sunday. What did you see?
2: and, and well i mean he looked really good actually you know what um he reminded me of, at first i was i was trying to rack my brain a little bit um because i saw him and i knew who I, I knew his name justin zimmer and i started to get him confused with um on the the preseason the dolphins had uh had a nose tackle um that uh that that was i, I forget his i forget his name exactly it was um uh, no, it was this year, uh, not, not 2021, but um, let's see if I can find it here. Uh, I thought it was, I was remembering Niles Scott from hmm. our, earlier in the preseason, and I was getting him confused a little bit. And then I was like, I, I was looking at it. I was like, no, wait, no, Niles Scott. That's a different, that's a different guy. This is Justin Zimmer. This is the guy from Ferris State. Um, And uh, I mean, he, he was, he was an athlete (laughs) when he came out, (laughs) the dude, the dude is like, the dude is like a really physically impressive guy. Um, And interestingly
3: enough, we, we, I talked to, to, to Simon about, uh, we spoke about this. They, they obviously had the film from his game against the dolphins last year where he absolutely destroyed (laughs) <laughs> the Dolphins, if you go look it up, like that game is ridiculous. He has three tackles, a sack, a tackle for a loss, three quarterback hits. It's insane what he did. Wow, I,
2: I don't remember that. I don't remember him doing that against us last year, but I do remember him as a prospect. Um, because he's been in the league for a while, and mm-hmm. you know, and I, he's I 30. Him... He's
3: no, he's no, yeah, he's no, that's he's right. no pluck and stash guy, you know. That's Ben Stilly, Ben Stilly's the pluck and stash guy.
2: This yeah, is right. a this
3: is a, we want you to play some snaps here.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he, he definitely, they, they needed him for some immediate snaps and you know what, frankly, he did, he did really well. I mean, I was, I was looking at him, I was noticing, and and I was, if I remembered right, you know, he, he was, he was extremely uh, um, well-known. He was extremely strong coming out, coming out of fair, a fair estate. Like he was known for his, his strength. Um, and you know, so and and which, again, had me a little bit confused Laura had me a little bit confusing him with Nile Scott because Nile Scott was a very, very strong uh, nose tackle type as well. But now I was like, no, this is this is the guy that's old or <laughs> this is the guy that's that's from like, you know, years ago. I think I probably saw him in an all star game. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, he's he, he played well. He played about what I would have expected, say the Dolphins had brought up Ben Stilley in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought Justin Zimmer played pretty much exactly the kind of ball that I would have expected out of Ben Stilley, Um, which just go, which kind of just goes to show you that, you know, this is a specialized defense and, um, and, and you can get guys, you know, the, the certain positions on this defense, they need to be good at some things and it, it doesn't really matter what they are in other things. And that's not true of, of all defenses so sometimes you're able to just pick up you know unsung guys that are good at the thing that you need them to do and not good at the things that you don't really need them to do and so they don't they don't have you know much um fanfare or much uh you know uh, they're they're not uh, regarded well necessarily in the league but they do do the things that you want them to do in this defense, and and he did it. I mean, he was he was great. You know, did did Simon go over his uh, his athletic measurements? Because
3: man, yeah, he, said, he said he was a good athlete. That he
2: remembered. Yeah. Well, did you know athlete. that? Did you know that at six, you know, he's almost six three, and he's over three hundred pounds, right? He was over three hundred pounds coming out in Ferris State, but um, he ran a four nine one. Hmm. And that's a nice. seven and a seven oh nine cone drill. Nice, seven oh nine. That's wide receiver level. That's wide receiver. He's a three hundred pounds and he did forty four bench reps. Jesus. <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah. So so maybe so John Jenkins. You think John Jenkins is looking over his shoulder, saying maybe they get a they're getting a smaller zero type here into? Although I, I think he he fits more as a defensive end. No. In our
2: system, well, you know, that I don't think he's exactly the same as John Jenkins. Like, uh, I think that, um, you know, Jenkins played plenty in the game. And, uh, I think that, uh, he's not exactly a John Jenkins. I, I would have compared him more with Ben stilly or, mm-hmm. um, you know, now Scott was a bit more of a replacement with John Jenkins, even though he's smaller. Um, and that, that, but that's the point with, um, you know, with, with Zimmer as well. Like he's, he may be strong, but he's he's a lot smaller than John Jenkins. Jay- John Jenkins, what is he running like three three forty or something like that? I mean, he's
1: yeah. You know, no, no matter
2: what he's putting up on the bar, uh, that's a lot of heft.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, John Jenkins, so, and no, no. John Jenkins is he's kind of irreplaceable for now. You know, he's like a real locker room leader. Like he's a he's a captain without the C on his chest. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. everybody likes him. Like they they need that guy around. Like-
2: well, I mean, and, and he and Raekwon, you know, he and Raekwon Davis make make a good team for that spot. I, I don't think Justin Zimmer is exactly like that, but you know, he's it's just another one of these, you know, Zach Sealer kind of wannabe um, guys where I, th- I think Zach Sealer is, you know, bordering on bordering on Pro Bowl level uh, play. Um you know, the guys like Ben Zilli and Stilly and Justin Zimmer aren't there. Uh yeah. In Stilly's case, he might be there eventually. because um, he's still young. But uh, in Zimmer's case, you know, he's not there, but he does he does the things that you need in this defense. I mean and he's he's a tremendous athlete. He's tremendously strong too. So
3: yeah, it was an interesting signing. It was just it was a really interesting signing. By the way, uh Ben Stilley played 28 snaps on thank uh, not on Thanksgiving against the 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 Buffalo Bills um at Buffalo, they uh, well, it was at Detroit. He played 28 snaps, didn't register anything, but this past week got uh an assist and a tackle. No, no tackles for lost. One tackle, one quarterback hit on Tom Brady. That was Ben Stilley. He played 11 snaps this past week. So he's well on his way to the Hall of Fame already.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. We're this guy's. This guy's gonna be in camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: All right. Now I'll start with you. Where I started with with uh, Simon. Um, everybody's, you know, everybody. Started, forget about Twitter. Okay, like you can't go on Twitter during games. Uh, I gave up on that last year. Okay, like that's not something you do. You just can't do that. Okay, because people were freaking out. It turns out when they, when it was thirty to nothing. Okay. But I was telling Simon, like, look, you can't expect your team to come out flat when the disposition at halftime is Mike McDaniel setting up when he's gonna take Tua Baloa out and when he's gonna take certain other starters out at halftime. And the score is 30 to nothing. The team obviously checked out. In my opinion, you could say it's kind of disrespectful to your opponent. I think it's I think it's disrespectful to the team. I don't think it was Mike McDaniel's best moment. Simon agreed with me. I think he put way too much pressure on the defense, and you know it's water under the bridge. It was an absolute blowout. They kicked the crap out of the Texans, but I think that it, the second half was completely mismanaged. And you know I, I hope that they don't do that again. If they do that again, obviously it's a good thing because they're up, you know, by so a million points get, against somebody. But let me
2: get this. Let me get this right. Your bone to pick is that in the second half. Um, what was it? Uh, it was with, I mean, they, they, they cause they had two drives in the second half with two at quarterback, but, um, but in the second half, starting around three minutes left in the third quarter, they went to Skylar Thompson. Is, is that your bone to pick that they they let off the gas that much by, by going with Skylar Thompson? Is that, you know, no, emblematic my, of what you're talking about. No, my bow in the pick is that
3: at halftime, they discussed how long Tua was going to be in there and how many starters they were going to keep in there with him at halftime. And Tua yeah. revealed that they settled finally on two series. You know, if that's what you're I, talking about at halftime, it, it, it stands to reason that your team's going to look around saying, Oh, okay, this thing's this thing's over. You're going to let down. I, 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 don't, professionals... I don't
2: agree. I don't agree that that. I don't agree that that really had an impact on anybody's on anybody's mentality or anything like that. I don't think that that was what was going on uh, to be honest. Um, And I think that uh, I think that what was going on was, you know, there were some adjustments made by the Houston Texans on both sides of the ball. Um, And, you know, you can't necessarily keep a team down for 60 minutes I mean, defensively, it's hard to keep Dean down for sixty minutes. But I think defensively, you would look more at scheme than uh, and and what they what sort of things they were calling against the Houston Texans that um, that ended up that ended up contributing to the Houston Texans actually getting the ball rolling a little bit offensively. Um, and as for Miami offensively, I have absolutely no problem with discussing beforehand like what what does this look like you're up 30 to nothing against the worst team in the league at halftime and you know yeah you're and tua had correct me if i'm mistaken Tua had already been folded over like an accordion at the end of the first half right yes and and, uh and and you had you had brandon shell already in for teron armstead uh at toward toward the end of the second quarter it was entirely appropriate to be having that sort of discussion so that you're not making decisions just on the fly, like so that you kind of have an idea of what this is gonna look like uh, in the in the you know in the second half. And I think they, they took them out at about the right time. Now offensively, what was happening what was happening was the same thing that was happening toward the end of the second quarter when Teron Arbstead had already left, which is to say Brandon Shell was struggling at left tackle and it was, I'm not saying he was the only guy because that was not, that's not true by any means, but it's his struggles added on top of the tough game that guys like Robert Jones and, and Austin Jackson were already having. That was not providing Tua in the second, in the second quarter as well as the beginning of the third quarter. Uh, it wasn't providing him enough of a um, of a of an out, basically, uh, enough space. Because we've seen Tua, you know, we saw it on the touchdown pass he threw um, to Durham Smythe. You know, he he can make somebody miss and scramble up. He can step up, he can step up in the pocket. He can do things, but you you can't you can do that if you have one guy. You can't do that if you have two or three. And that's what you notice on on a lot of these plays, um, and this is the point that I keep making about his 2020 and 2021 20, seasons, and why the offensive line struggles in those seasons were so, you know, key in um in, in his you know quote unquote struggling. I you know he he actually he actually had he actually played pretty good football in my opinion in those years, uh, considering what he um, what he had going against him. But this is this is what what is happening. You can't have you can't have multiple guys in on you every play because he's trying to dodge the guy that Robert Jones is 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 letting in, but he can't because the left tackle is also doing a poor job. And so where is he going to run? You know, and 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 so I think I think that that's what happened in the the second quarter, and the fact that it was still going on in the third quarter is not surprising. And I'm not going to blame it on. You know the head coach or somebody like talking to Tua and being like, you know, yeah, I think maybe we're, we're we're probably gonna do you about like two series in this uh, in this next half before we start taking it or taking some people off the field. Like I, I, I'm not gonna blame that. That was that was the same thing that was already had happened happening before any of that discussion was going on. So you know, no, I don't I don't think I don't I, I wouldn't take issue with any of that. I take issue. With Brandon Shell playing left tackle, poorly. <laughs> you know, I take issue with Robert Jones uh, having a really tough day in pass protection at left guard. And I take it issue with Austin Jackson being Austin Jackson.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that didn't work out. That didn't work out. And now Austin Jackson has that, that ankle injury. I think use it as an excuse to bust him down as the – down to the the swing tackle, and then you know play Shell at right tackle, play Little at left left tackle, and call it a day. Wait for Teron Arms to come back in one, two, three weeks, you know, and just plug them in at left tackle. Don't don't change all of this around. Cause... Well,
2: but you also have to blame and and, to, and just to your point about the game management. Um, you also blame Mike McDaniel because. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at what what was happening in the game, right? Uh, pass protecting fifty-one times against the worst team in football uh, is seen. You know, with an in, you know an injury prone. You can, we could argue back and forth about whether he's actually injured injury prone. I think most would agree he is. With an injury prone quarterback, it's it's dumb.
3: I'll tell you, you what's know? even more even more dumb and part of the reason I think Jerry Hughes was so pissed off is cutting Jerry Hughes and Collins for an entire half and then and then rolling out the second half and and, and essentially doing the same thing again like you know you're gonna piss those guys off. they're gonna come after yeah. your
2: quarterback and they're gonna hit your but, quarterback. but you know what happens when you give guys 50 reps against you know when you give the defensive line players the pass rushers 50 reps. Of just pass, 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 pass against an offensive line unit that, frankly, I mean, yeah, we have we have Connor Williams is good on there, and uh, and Robert Hunt is kind of up and down, mostly good, but you know he has his down days. Um, and then uh, and then even Teron Armstead, obviously, he's unimpeachable when he's playing, but uh, but he didn't even play all the way through the half. But you give so many reps to those pass rushers, they're gonna figure it out. Yeah, that's what they do. You know, you give them, you give them so many looks, they're gonna figure it out, and they're gonna get better and better at rushing the passer. That's what they do. They set guys up, and they um, and then the, and they they also start to to key in on tendencies, and they start to you know get better ideas about how to how to rush the passer. You give them that many looks at the quarterback. I mean, they're just gonna get better and better, and that's what happened. And, and it's, you know, in, in large part, because how many, how many passes did we throw in the first half? It was Like it was, 30, 30, 30, 36,
3: something? 32,
2: 32, 32. It was like 32. <laughs> you
1: know,
2: you gave them, you gave them a full game's worth of reps to figure it out in just one half. And, and so mm-hmm. against a, against a crappy team. And so I think that that was the mismanagement. I think that was the, you know, even though the run was not effective, um, that was the, misman- the mismanagement. Was just giving them so many looks that they were just going to get better and better at rushing the passer and putting Tua in jeopardy, really. And uh, and and we're lucky that when he got folded over the way that he did, that it wasn't it wasn't more serious than it was.
3: Yeah, and and and, and I completely agree. I, one thing, one thing I would say is this: um, they showed a little bit of that diversity in the run game by giving Tyreek Hill an end around. They have so many guys capable of doing so many different things in the run game to augment the. Okay, you you don't have Mostert, you have Jeff Wilson and you have Gaskin out there, you have all these wide receivers you could have used as well, and you know diversify your running game a little bit, you know keep it on the perimeter. Like I understand you don't have the tackle on the left side that you trust mm-hmm. to get out on outside zone, but you know get into twenty one personnel. You know use dip, something different it. You know, you use Tyreek Hill once. He
2: got you well, eight yards. You know yards. what it is. You know what it is. You think he's he's actually
3: keeping all of this in in, in the back burner for to unleash it on some of these people coming up
2: here? A hundred percent, I do. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> yeah. he was not. You know, this is this is his job in San Francisco was to engineer, uh, you know, a master class run game. That was his job, and when you see him go vanilla, more vanilla on the run game against, you know, the worst team in the league. Um and and he's got road trips against both the San, the San Francisco uh, uh, three road trips in a row against the San Francisco 49ers, L- LA Chargers and Buffalo Bills coming up after this game. That is what it is. You know, that is what it is. He's he's keeping he was keeping things on the in his back pocket because he doesn't want to put down tape for those teams who are going to be playing at home and the run game is going to be very important on those, in those away games. And so, um, so I think, I think, I think, yeah, absolutely. They, they did a lot of stuff on the passing game that they've been doing all year. Um, but you know, in the, in the run game, I think that, yeah, there was, there was a lot that he wasn't really putting on tape there because um, I think it's going to be so that that's how important it's going to be in their mind when they're traveling out West.
3: All right. And what would you do with the with the offensive line? You agree? Shell back at right
2: tackle, little at left tackle? You know, um I I realized that Austin Jackson had a um a bad performance. Um you know, I wouldn't hang my hat on that at all uh, as a pass protector, but I will say this that, you know, I I don't know. His first game back after, you know, the last time he had played was week 1, you know?
0: Yeah, and, and this,
2: and this was a guy who in the preseason, you know, his first game in this preseason, I think some people were kind of singing his praises a little bit, but you know, when I dissected the tape, it was like, no, this wasn't good. And then the second preseason game, you know, I looked at it and it was like, uh, well, you know, maybe not, maybe not great, but it was definitely better. Um, you know, it was definitely better the next game that he played. And then, Uh, Did he uh, he he played he played all three preseason games and then he he played a little bit, definitely a little bit better against Philadelphia in the third preseason game. I remember that. And then the snaps that he played against New England were probably the best that I've seen him before he got hurt. And uh, and so do you take knowing that he showed that pattern and that he's playing a new position at right tackle? And now he, he, he just had this two month layoff where he didn't he wasn't playing at all. Are you really gonna take that guy, just just shut the door on him because it didn't look so good at times during uh during this, this game against the Texans, which had some I would say some mismanagement um in terms of uh in terms of the the run pass calling. Um are you really gonna hold out against him to the point point where you're just closing the book on him already? Like it's just it's it's over. It's over now. I don't think that's the case. I think they put they invested too much in him, so I do think he's going to play this next game at right tackle. I think he's the starter. Um, the question is, what do you do at left tackle? Because I don't think Brandon Shell plays well at left tackle. No, period. And you know, so so are they? Are they really going to you, just keep at it and say, you know, let like, well. You know, this is this is our guy. This is the this is the backup. So so here he is. You know, let's go. I mean, he played left tackle against the the Jets and he sucked them. He played left tackle against the Texans and he sucked them as well. He was far better at right tackle. And and it, I mean, career wise, I think he's he's always been a right tackle. So um I think you have to go with Greg Little. Greg Little played in the game, he's healthy enough to play. I think you have to go with Greg Little at left tackle, and I think they're going to continue the experiment with uh, an Austin Jackson at right tackle. The thing you don't want to do is after you, this guy Austin Jackson's had such a challenged career so far, and it's been hard to get to teach him and and to get him better and better. Um, the thing you don't want to do is suddenly okay, forget that whole experiment at right tackle thing. Now you're our left tackle until Teron Armstead comes back. You know, I I don't I don't think that's the thing you do. Um, but at, at left tackle, you are going to have to play the, whichever of the two Brandon shell or Greg little looks the best in practice. And I imagine that's going to be Greg little actually, but, but we'll see what the coaches think. Yeah. Greg little played,
3: a, a, did he play left tackle this season for the dolphins or no? Yeah, uh, he, did.
2: he did. He did at one point. Um, and I thought that he was better at left tackle, uh, than he was at right tackle. Um, he played some left tackle against Cleveland. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, now he, he did play, he played an, a pretty awful game at left tackle against Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I think in the, uh, preseason he played in the preseason, he played a lot of left tackle for the dolphins and I thought he looked good. in that preseason, you know, uh, against Philadelphia, um, yeah. At left tackle, I thought he I thought he looked better at left tackle than he than he has generally at right tackle.
3: Yeah, and don't forget so, don't forget in the during during um, the Tampa Bay joint practice and the the Eagles joint practice, Teron Armstead has like this favorite nation status where, yeah, you know he shows yeah. up and he's like oh, I'm not
2: practicing today. <laughs> yeah, he shows <laughs> up puts the, he shows up puts the helmet on, maybe rides the exercise bike.
3: <laughs> no, he doesn't even he doesn't even ride the exercise bike. He he stands. No, he no, he stands next to Applebaum, and and like he's like a second coach. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Wearing a visor. All right, Greg Little was the left tackle. Like you know, Greg Little was the left tackle all throughout all of that. Mm. So so he was going against ones the whole time. So,
2: yeah, and I think I think he was a he was a decent left tackle um, when healthy. I, I wonder how healthy he is. Uh, clearly, by the time he played against Minnesota in Week Six, he, he was not healthy. He was not looking good. Um, but he had a month worth of just not playing. And then he started appearing in the Cleveland game. And now again, and I guess only, it was only one snap in the Houston game, but, um, it was enough to be out there the last two games. So I I think he might be healthy. And honestly, I think that's our guy. I think that's the guy at left tackle.
3: Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, and you got anything on Kendall lamb? Uh, they signed him today. He's going on the practice squad.
2: No no n- nothing nothing at all i mean i've they, he, i've heard the I've heard the name, but i I can't even remember who he's yeah,
3: they poached them they poached him off of the the lions practice squad so
2: yeah, yeah i mean i i don't I don't know what to expect from that um from him at all um I mean I can tell you athletically what he is, but um but that's that's i mean athletically, I don't think he's anything to you know write home about either, so um yeah.
3: All right, so to close this out, uh, we already did our in the first half. We did our, our three stars of the game, so
2: I guess you could give us yours. Um, you know, uh, yeah, but this one's a hard one. I'm gonna be honest. Um, you know, I thought I, I want I want to give it to to Xavier Howard, um, because not only did he have the touchdown, I just thought that coming off the bye week and coming off the rest, you know, he he looked pretty good <laughs> um, yeah. and, and he's had a really challenged year. It really has. I mean, if you look at it um, and I thought that the, he looked probably the best, you know, maybe, maybe the best game that he's had all year, uh, even taking the touchdown aside, you know? Um, so, you know, definitely Xavier Howard would be one of them. Um, you know, I, I thought that Tua did not have his best game uh, as, as a quarterback, but at the same time, it was like, you know, who, who was playing better than him on the offensive side of the ball? Um, you know, you can make a case for Tyreek Hill, of course, because he's always playing that well, but I, you know, it's either two or Tyreek Hill, I guess, I guess, you know, River Craycraft did, did so much more in this game than he has in, in any of the previous games. So I guess we'll give it to him um and then i'll give the the last game ball to teron armstead for uh for only straining his pec instead of tearing it uh which is what we thought had happened and we thought he was gone for the for the rest of the year so his 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 most valuable play of the day was was only getting strained instead of uh instead of tearing
3: yeah And, and and i also love um our coach today and his availability um well, you know, he spoke about Toron Armstead, and he said what everybody else knows. He says, uh, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him to be, be, you know, be ready sooner rather than later, because there's been this two to three week uh, timetable that's been put out there that the team is not abiding by." But you know, you could do you could do the the numbers on this. You know, well, it's
2: the, hard to count them out, right? right. That's what he's saying, and- yeah. And that's what he said about Keon Cross. And I think he knows the same thing about um, Teron Armstead is hard to count him out. What I would say is there's a fair, there's a pretty good, there's a fair chance that he he's playing against the chargers. This yeah. This is based on what I know, and what I'm hearing.
3: Yeah. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard as, as well. And as far as treatment for this, you know, like they're, you know, this is, this is a professional football team. They're going to exhaust everything. They're not like you and me, you know, getting hurt, uh, you know, playing uh-huh. flag football at the park. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, these people are going to spend money. They're going to look for the the best treatment possible for their $18 million a year investment, right? Uh Yeah. All right. That's going to be it. The next time we talk to you, we're going to talk about a real big game, okay? This is a big game. This is sexy, all right? It's been a while. I don't remember when. If you have one off the top of your head, you can refresh my memory. What was the last time that we talked about a Dolphin game being kind of sexy on the marquee? Like this thing should have been on Sunday Night Football. By the way, uh, we're getting the Colts and the Cowboys instead. Okay, you you heard me. I'm not making that up. Okay, it was it was put they were put to a decision, and they decided, nah, nah you know, give us Colts Cowboys instead of Dolphins 49ers. But this is gonna be I fun. Don't know.
2: I don't know offhand uh, of a game. Can't think of offhand a game that was you know sexier in in the marquee way that you're talking about. Um, but that's only because I I have like zero memory left. <laughs> like I'm, I well, I, Simon, I I'm I'm just not remembering things.
3: Simon called it the first in a series of um, Super Bowl previews. So that's gonna it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna talk about it on Thursday. Oh, by the way, on the way out, Jordan Love, not bad, huh?
2: Yeah, well we'll see. I'd I'd still rather face him. I'd still you, you really? I think you mentioned it. I think you mentioned it, you know, would you rather face uh Aaron Rodgers and um on Christmas uh in that Christmas game. And uh I'm gonna say right now I'd i I'd rather face Jordan Love.
3: Really? Aaron Rodgers looks like he like he's falling apart physically, like there's gonna be body parts missing by that game on the twenty four. Know,
2: if you look at if you look at who the who the Dolphins have played at quarterback this year. Uh huh. Um, you know we have we have played against we have played against a struggling a struggling Mac Jones, uh, Zach Wilson, Kenny Pickett. Uh, you know Justin Fields obviously went went all out against us, but he's he's not. I would not say he's arrived yet completely. Uh, He's
3: he's almost arrived. Yeah, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Jacoby
2: Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, and Kyle Allen. Okay. Yes, we we have played against Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Kirk Cousins um, and Joe Burrow.
3: And I don't like All your right. tone with Jacoby Brissett. The guy's elite this year.
2: <laughs> oh, okay.
3: <laughs> no, um, I'm serious. I'm serious. Go look at his numbers. He's actually had a pretty good season.
2: He's no, been pretty no, good. I, I I've seen his numbers, and I don't agree with you <laughs> on that. <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we we have faced we have faced guys that aren't necessarily great that aren't necessarily let's, let's take away the greatness aspect of it. Let's, let's say guys that aren't really veteran experienced, you know, mm-hmm. um, we don't, we haven't faced a lot of those guys. And when we have faced a lot of those guys that do have skins on the wall um, and that, that are pretty good, like Jared Goff, Joe Burrow, and, uh, and, and Kirk Cousins, uh it hasn't always looked so good, <laughs> you know, uh, and, or and let's throw Lamar Jackson in there because he had a hell of a day against us um, and should have won the game. If not, we if not for the fact that Tua even had a better day, um, you know, the only one that we've really got is Josh Allen, who didn't, mm-hmm. he, he didn't have a great day against us for once in his entire career, mm. didn't have a great day uh, against us. And I would rather face the inexperienced guy with this defense as opposed to the guy that is, you know, a veteran, really savvy, and has a lot of skins on the wall, a lot of experience. Um, I would rather face Jordan Love than Aaron Rodgers. And I don't care how Aaron Rodgers is playing this year. I don't. All
3: right. Well, he's actually playing okay. He's just, you know, he's, you know, he has a broken thumb. Now he has an oblique injury. You know, he, he generally looks like death after these games, after he, needs, he gets pounded on.
2: He needs another ayahuasca trip. <laughs>
3: Easily. Obviously. You know, the next time that he goes and does ayahuasca in Peru, uh, he needs to bring back a couple of wide receivers and a tight end. That's where he needs yeah. to start. Okay? Once he does that, all right? I already told Simon, like, I'm available. If the Packers want to give me the GM job, I'm available. And yeah. my first order of business is to get my Hall of Fame quarterback guys to throw to. Like, that's not such a bad idea.
2: Maybe he'll just hallucinate, guys, to throw to. Yeah, well, I think he was doing
3: that last night against the Eagles. All right. <laughs> That's it. There is no more on Thursday. We do talk about a sexy game. Big game. First one of the year, kind of, because, you know, week three was a long time ago. This one's a kind of a Super Bowl preview. We'll talk about it on Thursday. See you then.
2: Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual
0: podcast provider.